This podcast is brought to you by the website of doom.com. Hello and welcome to Aaron Fever Talks 2. I am Aaron Fever and this time I'm talking to Jen Carey. Jen is a games designer and she has a new game coming out called Rampunctious. We're going to talk a little bit about that today and we're going to talk about just her background in games and such. The main reason why we're talking is because Rampunctious is a Kickstarter. It's available now to fund and, and back and get a copy of the game for yourself. I've been introduced to the game and it's, it's a lot of fun, so uh, I will be backing it myself. So I think yourself should do the same. Grammar. We'll be getting into that chat in a moment, but in the meantime, I have to plug uh, some things very briefly. Uh, first of all, I am going to be tabling at Thought Bubble this year, uh, which is a great comic convention in Leeds. I will have a little table where I will be selling some of the comics that I've written and also just looking to meet you. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. This is my first time at Thought Bubble as a table person not that i'm a human who's a table but just a human with a table i'll also be once again returning to dragon con in atlanta georgia uh that will be uh in labor day weekend so thoughtable is the 23rd and 24th of september and and the first weekend of september i'll be at dragon con so jet setting all over the place in september so if you're going to either of those conventions please come by and say hi and see some of the panels that I'm doing. I'll be doing other conventions this year too, but theirs are the ones that are confirmed so far. So if you want to find out more, just go to AaronFever.com and you'll see a live shows section. And there's, along with the improv shows that I do, you'll see all the conventions that I'm doing. You'll also see at AaronFever.com a link to my Patreon, uh, which is the whole reason why this little podcast exists. Uh, the wonderful backers at Patreon uh, allow me to pay for the uh, financing of this uh, podcast so you know all the hosting fees and stuff like that and it also just helps getting other things done like the comics that i make and and silly videos that i make too so uh, you can find all of that stuff at patreon.com forward slash aaron fever all you have to do is give as little as a dollar and you'll get things like this podcast earlier than everybody else and also weird updates that i do from time to time so enough about me let's get to the conversation with jen as we talk about her history with games both video and cardboard card and board they're separate things and her game rampunctious we are recording, Jen. We are recording? We are recording. Oh my god. Um, we are in Pulse College. We are. Uh, which you, I just found out like <laughs> 10 minutes ago that you now work in. Yeah, I am the lecturer of game narrative. And also animation narrative, but I haven't started that yet. Okay. Would there be a huge difference between animation narrative and game narrative? I don't think so. It's more like levels of interactivity and agency. Because okay. you can affect games, whereas you can't really affect the animations. They just happen. This is true, <laughs> but that's always that was always a thing to me that like because I I you hear more and more not when I was a kid growing up because I was always like big video gamer like a you know don't you you look at you you're ready to make jokes about how old I am. <laughs> what? It's fine. You can do it. <laughs> My first system was a Nintendo the NES, the Nintendo Nintendo. My brother had the Atari something something. I always forget the number of it, but it was the one that had centipede on it. Okay. <laughs> Which I know you can now play on your mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like 10 years ago, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about Snake. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you never heard about who was writing the games growing up. But now it's like it's a big thing because I know, was it Rihanna Pratchett? Yeah. Um, she wrote the Tomb Raider games recently and a bunch of other ones as well. 
Um, and like it seems to be more and more a thing. Like I know Paul uh, Dini did, uh, I think the Batman like uh, Arkham Asylum game. Um, like how like cause I know a script like for a movie or a comic book is about like you know a page per minute or a page per like you know page as a comic book. So how long is a script for a video game? Uh, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> it really depends on the kind of game. Like a lot of them would be set out similar to a movie script they're done with the dialogue and then of course you have voice, voice actors and stuff as well. Okay. But there is also a huge part which is more narrative design of implementing the stories around the different levels and how the worlds come together. Yeah. So there's kind of like, there's two halves. There's the creating the world and making everything work there and then creating what people say and doing like barks and stuff like that. Okay. And like, what's the hardest part of that? Like, is it the, the, the little side bits or is it just like doing the actual main story? Uh, <laughs> it, it depends on the game. It depends right. on what you like doing. Like, <laughs> And then there's the whole thing that it's like, you know, comics and uh, movies and stuff. It's also visual storytelling things. So you have to make sure that the story is also told from in-game assets. Like the lighting will tell a certain story and the audio and whatever's in the scene and all this as well as just the writing that's there. So I've never worked on one of these absolutely huge projects. So I would assume one of the hardest problems is getting everybody on board for with the same like creative vision right. because that seems to be the biggest problem every time you work with lots of people so yeah yeah because I know um, when I first met you you had a job as a QA person am I in there right? yes right because I uh, that was something that like when it was tried to be described to me I couldn't wrap my head around because <laughs> it's just you're just playing the game to see for mistakes right uh, yeah well I was playing with game engines that was my that, that's the confusing part for me, yeah. Yeah. Um, so game engines are just like an easier way instead of like to make games instead of having to do every line of code yourself, they already have a lot of it prepackaged. Yeah. So instead of having to set up your camera, you just drag a camera into the scene and to that's there. Mm. Um, <laughs> students. Oh, <God. laughs> Uh, yeah, so testing the game engines was just a case of going through different scenarios and making sure that everything worked. Okay. And, like, what would be a common thing that you would find a problem with if you were doing that? Uh, you try and do something and everything crashes. Uh, mm -hmm. Certain stuff is invisible in scenes. Something is suddenly not selectable. You change a number and instead of moving something up or down, it goes, like, blue or something. <laughs> um... The like, how long were you doing that for? Um, I was in Havoc for two years, and I was in Play First on mobile games for another year. Okay. So, yeah, about three years total. Bit over with contract work, but yeah. Yeah, and then like you quit all that. Yes. Which was a very I thought was a very brave thing to do, um, and try and like do your own stuff. Yep. <laughs> brave or stupid, time will tell. Yeah. Well, that was about two years ago now, wasn't it? Um, about a year and a half, yeah. Yeah. So, like, what was what was the impetus to do that? Like, why did you really want to just, like, go on your own? Um, I always preferred the creative side of games a bit more than the technical side. And where I was, it was all technical-based, and any movement would have been into, like, a stronger coding position or something, which I didn't really want to do. Right. So, 
it was a case of either leaving and then trying to find somewhere that would hire me for design or writing or something, or leaving and just trying my own stuff. And I'd been going to so many indie festivals and stuff, I was like, of course, everyone just leaves their job and then makes <laughs> games and it's fabulous. And yeah, I decided I was going to do that instead, which I'm still not sure it was a great idea. All it's right. definitely fun, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what's what kind of about it is kind of making you nervous? Um, there's this thing called money. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. No, I I haven't had a lot of experience with it, I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. That's my current experience as well, yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's why you got this job now then. You're working as a a lecturer now, so... Yeah, very fancy sounding. It is very fancy sounding. Mm Because it's like, you're still like, what, 25? Yes. (laughs) That's very young. I have a strange feeling most of my students are older than me. (laughs) Probably. Like, is that, is that intimidating then to be going out and telling them, like, at such a young age, like, oh, here's, here's how you do it, folks? Not really, because especially on the game narrative side, it's really, really new and people are only kind of realizing what it's about now. So, like, I've been doing game stuff for about six, seven years now. Mm. So it is the thing of, oh, sure, I might be 25, but I've been making games since such and such, and I'm on the board of Emirate, and you have to do what I say, and just trying to make yourself sound fancier. Yeah. And also, you never tell me your age. Good God, no. Right, right. Well, I mean, you don't look old either. No. Baby face. Um, I still got ID'd, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I can well believe it. The blue hair is probably a giveaway, too. <laughs> I thought it maybe look, you know, distinguished and steamed. Yeah. yeah, it's like the Golden Girls. They had their hair, the, the blue rinse. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, what was the first game thing you did then? As in game that I worked on? Well, you said, you said you've been doing like game stuff for about seven years. So what was the first thing? Because that would have made you like 18? Well, the first thing was when I went into college and started making games. And then I always like networked straight away. Mm. A lot of people I know didn't start until they're like leaving college or something. But I was like, oh, I'm in first year. I might as well head to this networking event in Dublin and talk to all these professional developers. Because why not? Um, which I think back then I was like, oh, good God. What? <laughs> but they all thought I was professional for some reason. So it yeah. all worked out fine. No one knew as a student. Um, yeah, so I just started doing stuff then. And then, you know, talking at things, organizing things, the usual yeah, because what's the, the... You said you're on the board of Immersh. What is Immersh? Immersh is the Irish Game Makers Association. Okay. Um, we represent all game makers in Ireland, regardless of what kind of games you make, and we're working to get funding for games, promote Irish games, and raise the profile of Irish games worldwide. Okay. And, like, what did you think the worldwide view of Irish games is at the moment? Um, on the indie scene, pretty positive. Okay. Like... We wouldn't be as big as like Canada or the UK or anything like that, but it's definitely one of the up-and-coming places, so it's pretty good. Yeah, because there's quite a lot of like companies based here at the moment. Like you said, Havoc was here before, and like um, who, who was the other one? There's a big one, Mayhem, not Mayhem. Riot. Riot, that's it. Yeah. They all have names like it's disorganized <laughs> chaos. Like, why is that? <laughs> it's probably a sign, really, a isn't it? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, we got Havoc, Riot. We have Digit. We have Black Shamrock. Um, those would be the bigger ones, and I feel bad now I'm leaving any of them out because someone's going to be like, oh my god, you didn't say my games company. They're not listening to us. It's uh, fine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, those would be the bigger ones, and then we have a lot of uh, smaller ones as well, but we have quite a few um, pretty big Indian experimental game stuff going on, like um, Gambrinus have Gilded Engineering, which is doing really well, and then you have things like Deep, which is this VR 
experimental VR game that's in conjunction with um, the Dutch government, I think. Whoa. Um, for like helping people to learn to do breathing exercises to treat depression and that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, wow. That's so, cool. So, some fancy stuff being shown <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and then we go places and go, Ireland's amazing, you totally need to come. And they're like, oh, you cute leprechauns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I say go places. We go places in Europe, and we just leave the Americans. Yeah. Uh, well, we might not get into America anymore with all the visa stuff that's going on. So, <laughs> you went over to a big convention in America, didn't you? Yeah, last year I went to GDC, the Game Developers Conference. And what's that like? Intense. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, there's just there's thousands of devs there, and there's kind of everyone from some random student who's in San Francisco to the most famous game designer that you've ever heard of and everyone's shoved in it together and you're kind of like, okay, I don't know who to talk to, who can I talk to, what's the, yeah. But it's fun, gets me a lot of cool people. Yeah, and like, so what, what happens? Is it just like kind of like a lot of presentations and stuff? Um, the first two, maybe three days are summits. So they're just constant talks on different topics and people presenting uh, like post-mortems of games they made. Okay. And then afterwards is the expo and kind of the fancy sponsored talks, so like Microsoft would have theirs and Oculus and stuff. Right. And they'd have the expo floors open for all the new games that are out for everyone to play test games. And then if you're on the more professional side, you'll spend the entire time pitching to publishers. Mm-hmm. And then you spend the entire evenings hanging out and yeah. going to random parties to network and meet new devs and hang out with your friends. And then realize that you haven't slept in three days. Yeah. Properly. That sounds very much like a comic book convention if you're kind of on the working side of it as well. It's just no sleep and yeah, it's it's a, it's a long weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, what's the difference between something like that? I'm assuming like, because I know E3 is a big famous kind of games conference, but that seems to be just more for like journalists and yeah. stuff like that. It seems to be like the Comic Con version of like a games convention as opposed to what yours is more like a professional one that one is like is like for actually for the people working there rather than the journalists yeah E3 is for the fans and to show up to new work whereas GDC is for the people making the games to get to know each other yeah learn and do all that jazz okay (laughs) do the professional thing which is basically act like each other's fans and just be like I'm learning something but oh my god I love that thing you've done (laughs) so who who is your like favourite like games developer who's like a big hero of yours no. <laughs> well, like you were saying, you went to the conference. You're like, oh my god, it's this person. Like, who, can you think of someone that you were like that with? Um, only somebody who I know from Twitter, and I get thoroughly embarrassed myself talking to her. Um, <laughs> her name's Adriel Wallach. Okay. And she's she used to be a computer scientist. Um, I think she has like a satellite in space at the moment that she worked on with NASA. Um, nice. And she started doing these um, like game a week things for a year and she organizes train jam and I just follow her I think she's awesome and I was just like oh my god I follow you on Twitter but it's like the only time I was like complete and utter fool of myself I mean everyone else I just act really cool usually because I'm terrible at names so just like this is such and such and I'm like okay cool and then I'll google and go oh shit shit that was oh my god yeah yeah that happens to me a lot too I'm, I'm not so bad with names but it's faces I don't know what these people who I like their work what they look like most of the time mm-hmm. so you're talking to somebody with a random beard and you're like oh hello yeah, look, you're, you're very seeming very interesting and then you find out oh they made all of the favourite things that I like 
Or like they'll introduce someone. It's like, oh, this is rich, and you're like, oh, how rich? And you're just like, oh, that that's that's him. That's oh, that rich. Oh, that rich. <laughs> wow. Okay then. <laughs> So, I mean, when when you went kind of solo, when you kind of said, like, fuck this, I'm out, and then I'm going to do my own thing, did you have, like, a like a, a one- or five-year plan or something like that where you wanted to be in a certain position by a certain time? Um, not really. I just wanted to get kind of a game out as soon as I could. Um, okay. I wasn't even sure what kind of game. I just knew I wanted to make something. And yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to start making games. I'm going to start going to more indie stuff. And that was... That was most of the plan, basically. <laughs> I'm going to do things. I'm going to do things. I'm going to enjoy it. And yeah. Yeah. So is Rampunctious the first game that you've kind of come to completion with now? Yes. Okay. And it's complete shock because it's like, I'm going to work in a computer game because that's what I usually do. Right. And then it's like, ooh, but puns. Puns could happen. And then a pun <laughs> game started. And yeah. I mean, theoretically, you could make a digital version of this too. Because there's a digital versus a Monopoly, like... Yeah, but I mean, Monopoly, like... Right, yes, yeah, very true. Ugh. Hey, I like the Monopoly still. It just shows that you have no taste. <laughs> You're right. It's true. <laughs> okay, so I want to take a look at this. So we have a box of rampunctions in front of us, which is, as you put it, a fruit salad uh, colored box. It looks like... It always reminds everyone of fruit salad. Me too. And I just... Yeah. Was that, obviously, I'm assuming that was, like... Accidental and not completely accidental. Yeah. Are you but, a big fan of fruit salads? Well, I like fruit salads. Right. It was it was just a case of we got out and it's like, oh, that looks like that. You know the sweet thing that with the thing with the and it's just like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. For for those who aren't aware or maybe from foreign lands, uh, we're not talking about an actual salad with leaves <laughs> and stuff. Uh, it's just sweets. That always like it was like rhubarb and custard flavor or something like that. I don't know. It sounds disgusting, but they're really nice. <laughs> <laughs> they were. They were really nice. They were much better than like the blackjacks. I always hate them. Oh, they're horrible. And they made your tongue go black, which is not great. Um, all right. So there are three sets of cards. We have cringe scenario and topic. So tell me how a round would start. Okay. So everybody would take a hand of five topic cards. And these are all like normal things. They're either pop culture references or they're things like trees or cats. Okay. And then one person, um, the first round, whoever can make the best pun out of their own name becomes the pundit. <laughs> okay. And the pundit takes a scenario card. And all the scenarios are just random either questions or weird situations. All right. So the pundit plays a scenario and chooses a topic from their hand to go with it. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna try this. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be hard. All right, yeah, okay. I'm gonna go. Okay. It's gonna be some reference. I don't actually. So know. I'm got the, the 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 scenario is preschool power struggles, mm-hmm. which I'm nervous about. <laughs> um, and the topic is dairy, because I feel like I can make lots of cheese puns. Okay, so what happens now is that people make puns about the topic while talking about the scenario. So it's like scenario is preschool. Power struggles. You could say that those kids are really milking it. Um, oh. Really cheesy situation. You know, it's unbelievable. So. Um. Oh, why am I blanking? Because <laughs> preschool. Okay. Uh, I um. Dairy. No, Aaron. What? <laughs> it's the it's the pressure. <laughs> You see, this is the thing. The pundit doesn't have to put in their own round. 
Okay, so that's good. Sit there and just. I can just so I, I'm 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 yeah I'm basically causing havoc for everybody else. Yeah. Okay, that's good. And then at the end of the round, and then the pundit chooses when the round ends. Uh, they choose whoever their favorite punter was, either someone who made like the best puns, the worst puns, or the most puns. I think he made the best puns that round. Thank you. Yes. Tough competition. <laughs> you beat the statue of Batman on the, on the desk. He <laughs> <laughs> was very stoic and silent, but you know. <laughs> so they award the scenario card as a point, and then the cringe cards are if somebody makes a pun in a round that's just like so bad that everyone kind of face pans. Right. Then other people who aren't the pundit can choose to award them a cringe card and that's a bonus point oh okay cool so at the moment they don't have anything printed on the front but they're all going to have these like punny pictures done on them but they weren't ready by that print run yeah well I mean in fairness they don't you don't have to have them either like you know <laughs> that's as a bonus to have the good things on it but yeah that's cool alright yeah I can play that game well obviously clearly I can't play that round <laughs> But I, I could theoretically play that game. Yeah, there's a little bit of a learning curve with it. People seem to get really weird at the start. They're like, oh no, but if I say something silly, people will laugh at me. And you're like, well, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> we're looking to have fun, everyone. We're, we're looking to have a good time. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's really clever. So how did you get, how did you fall upon this idea? Um, I just really wanted to make a game that I like and I was thinking of all like true to things that I kind of like doing and one of them is making really shitty pun jokes which is very true if anybody has followed your Twitter profile they will know this (laughs) so I was like ooh I'm going to make a game about puns and then this happened I'm just I'm going through some of the topics uh, which are very like there's you know there's Pokemon which you can make a million ones Star Wars you can make a million puns for Yoga, which I think would be a harder one. There's some that are a bit more niche. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, there's also, like, you know, metals, which I feel like we just end up with a lot of doom metal jokes. No, you still have to just, you know, copper onto it. Uh, oh, controversial, religion. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Is there a politics card? Tell me there's a politics card. There is a politician's yeah. card. Ah, Star Trek. Shoes. Maths. Yeah, so, yeah, this is... This is a really solid game idea. <laughs> Why, thank you. I would, I would, I would, like, honestly, because I, 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 my favorite types of games are those kind of ones where it's, because you could kind of theoretically make a lot of house rules with this game as mm. well. Like, it's very open to, like, kind of messing around with. So, yeah, I like those kind of, like, party games where you can kind of just fuck around. Like, that's, this could be a drinking game very easily. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Though there is a point when everyone gets so drunk that they're just like, I can't do the words! They're hard <laughs> in my brain! Yeah, which seemed to happen to me today, so um, we're going to gloss over that. Thank God for editing. I won't edit that. <laughs> just editing all your puns. Just like, I'm a genius! <laughs> oh, I'm liking the scenarios, because you've added little uh, tack-ons to them. Wine, when grapes are cool! <laughs> Vanilla, the opiate of the masses. Elastic bands, what they're not telling you. I like this. My favorite one is ruling Antarctica as a benevolent dictator. End of the world predicted as coffee supplies run out, which is apparently is a real thing. It's a real. They're worried about coffee. They're, they're, oh my god! Apparently, global warming is like uh, is making coffee like dangerous. Like not dangerous, but like it's it's going to affect how many like uh, you, how much the crops can yield. So, yeah. I mean, when there's the avocado shortage, you're just like, okay, that's hipsters, but no coffee? I mean, the world will just stop. Well, yeah, where is everybody going to write their scripts if all the coffee shops are closed? Yeah. You know, no one's going to have anywhere to be cool with a cravat. And no one's going to program ever again. This is very true. Although we still have 
We still have drinks. technically, yeah. Yeah, we still have energy drinks. Taurine is there. Mm. Taurine will never leave us. Because <laughs> I don't know how taurine is made. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that natural, though. No, I have a feeling it's like raccoon piss that's just like, like messed with in a lab. Yeah, but sure, it tastes good. Who cares? I know, I'm into it. I'm drinking it right now for those who want to sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm open to a, a Red Bull sponsorship. I've been plugging that one for years. Since 2007, I've been trying to get a Red Bull sponsorship on a podcast that hasn't worked. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're so good at this promotion on the podcast. Should I really oh. be talking to you? No, yeah, you're, you're welcome for the 10 hits I'm going to get you for this one. <laughs> God, 10 hits? It was worth it for the hour conversation. It was. <laughs> so you've been, you've been playtesting this. Yeah. Um, and so you, I know you were saying to me before, minimum is like four people ready to play the game. Mm. So is there like a max? Uh, not really. It's as many as you'd want. Like, um... I don't like comparing it to Cards Against Humanity, but with Cards Against Humanity, you can have like 25 players, but everything does kind of slow down. This is true. It takes way longer to like get around done and stuff. Yeah, so it kind of depends on how like willing you are to spend the time and how um, like how well the people are putting. I've played it with around 20 people before. Wow. And it usually ends up that you'll get three or four who are like really on the ball and everyone's just sitting there like laughing at it and waiting for their turn to be a pundit so they can like choose their own topic. Okay. They're more audience members at that point. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of a thing like these days that you kind of have to compare everything to Cares Against Humanity for people to understand that. I know, yeah. It's a strange... It's. I mean, it's, it's great that it, there was such a breakout success in like the card game area because I think it has helped a little boom in the market but oh yeah it's great for people to realize that you know there's games other than like monopoly or scrabble and just say you know there's other things out there which are both still very valid yeah Yeah. if you like scrabble you should try movable type by robin david irish game maker and it's absolutely amazing free plug there you go (laughs) i'm the robin um so uh, what do you like so you were kickstarting this yes and what is do you know what your goal is already? Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Reasonable enough. Yeah, it's not that bad and it's like the absolute lowest we can go. Yeah. Because um it's really just the manufacturing and then the shipping. That's like Well how many how many kind of copies of this will this kind of uh, if it's funded? Um this will get a thousand copies of the main game. Okay. And then we're also getting Kickstarter exclusive uh, expansions for one of the tiers. So it'll be the thousand copies of the main game, and then however many of the Kickstarter exclusive expansions we need. Okay, and how, like what's in the expansion? It's just another twenty scenario cards. Ah, okay, cool. So more fun. More fun, more scenarios, <laughs> but it also doesn't like take away from the main game if you don't get it. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, like, do you think you will like once if like let's say funded everything goes well, life is good, sky is blue, grass is green. Mm-hmm. Um. What's the step after that then? Um, take two days off. And <laughs> <laughs> after that, it would be so we'll have to send the files on to the manufacturer. They'll set do a sample copy, which they'll send it to me, and then I'll verify that all the colors and everything are okay. Mm. And then once we okay that, they'll start full production, which will take um, a few weeks, I think like between four and six weeks. Okay. And then they'll ship it out to us, and then I spend ages packing boxes and shipping them to backers. <laughs> so the the plan is to get them out to backers by um, probably late August. Okay. And do you think like then you'll like open an online shop to sell like to more to random people? 
Yeah, online shop and then try and get it stocked in some independent game shops. Cool. And, like, I know so many people... Because I, I tried to do a Kickstarter once. I failed, for the record. Um, no, really? I know. I know. Uh, oh, it was my own fault. We actually raised a nice amount of money, but, like, it was my own fault because our budget was way higher. Our budget was, like, 25000 if it was for a documentary thing. So... Uh, I remember it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wham, um, But uh, everybody kind of always talks to me, like, oh, my God, like, you even figured out how to get one launched because it is a minefield of, like, numbers and, like, planning, and it's a it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's, it's pretty ludicrous. Um... We had to kind of almost like back calculate our goal because of the way the um, the Kickstarter fees work. Yeah. It's five percent of your total, but then it's between three and five percent of each payment you get and twenty cent per payment that you get. And your shipping has to be included in the goal. So every time someone buys a copy, your goal technically has to go up. So you have to just assume that you're going to get a certain amount and assume they're going to pay for a certain amount of shipping and hope that that happens. Yeah. Really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nuts, and and yeah, your your money, your budget goes up because if you weren't actually dealing with Kickstarter, if you're just looking for ad production costs, it would probably be like half that amount. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, I mean, what made you go through Kickstarter? What was? Why do you think that was the way to go? Um, two main reasons. It's the core funding platform for tabletop games. And like it's kind of impossible to get funding for tabletop games otherwise because the government doesn't recognize that they're a thing even in entertainment. So you have to be like, right, okay. And the other thing is that um, basically like promotion and audience. So you have to get a lot of your audience to Kickstarter before your Kickstarter starts. But once it's there, if you get a certain amount of backing to it, it really helps for just really spreading the word that your game exists and people sharing it on social media and everyone kind of knows that, you know, ooh, a Kickstarter, there's a limited time to it, I will share, I'll let people know about it now. Right. So it kind of, it boosts your audience a bit. Okay. Yeah, and there's like, um, this, I noticed you're doing yours around the same time that we did ours because there's like, there's a graph of like when <laughs> it's like Kickstarters do the best on like, you know, go over the course of the year. Yeah. It's like, I think this is like tax return time or something. So like people have a little bit of extra money or something like that. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> oh, you didn't look into that? I started looking into that, but all those numbers, they don't tell you about um, the length of the project, what kind of project it was or what country they were launched in. Uh-huh. So it's kind of, it's like, it's, it's like loads of data, but they don't, doesn't really mean anything. Right, right. So we were we were hoodwinked. <laughs> um, so okay, so you were work. This is your first completed one. Yes. Do you have another one that you're working on at the moment? Um, kind of. There's one I started working on as a way to procrastinate working on this Kickstarter. Right. And it's basically a card game version of an improv game that I played in a few classes. You played with the usual suspects. Uh, I, if I have I haven't played by that name which is common with improv games because they're, <laughs> they're different from group to group but yeah basically it's a case that there's a crime has happened and everyone else is an expert and has to try and figure out what the crime is oh okay so I'm working on some version of that I'm also working on another on like a video game that is basically a case of I don't want to have to look at card games all the time so I've started coding something which is obviously the best thing to do when you are really busy and have too much work to do yeah yeah. Especially alone. Um, yeah, Because yeah. isn't there like um, teams and teams of people who usually work on that? I mean, technically, but <laughs> you can totally make it on your own if you've got like three years. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, someday when you're my age, you'll have 15 games done out. And so, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get to your age. I mean, it's just... <sighs> it, do people live that long anymore? I mean, it's like well, it's difficult I did. times. They I live did. to like 600 and stuff. So even modern medicine, I don't think would get me that old. I bet you you have students older than me here. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's kind of, okay, so you went to college for this. Um, yes, kind of. I did computer game development, but that was all video games. Okay. Um, well, you're, I mean, you're lecturing in video games now, so yeah. you, you're still... I, I mean, I, technically I'm going to college, but I'm teaching in the college, so it doesn't really work in that <laughs> um, So the college uh, you went to, if I remember right, it was out in the country, wasn't it? It was, in, like, it was Carlo. Carlo. What's Carlo College like? Um, not Carlo College, IT Carlo. There's a difference. Is there a Carlo College? There is. Oh. I'm still not sure what they teach there, but I just know that we weren't them. Good. That's good to know. <laughs> um, what was Carlo like or what was IT Carlo like? Oh, well, I, I think both because, I mean, it's very rare. Usually the people I know who went to a, a college outside of Dublin grew up outside of Dublin. Most people who grew up, go, grow up in Dublin go to a college in Dublin. Mm, true. So it must be unusual. Like, did you move down? Yeah. Oh, wow. I started commuting um, for like the first week and a half or something, but the buses were terrible and they'd appear like two hours late or something. So right. it was a case of, I got the option of either getting a motorbike and driving down every day or my parents would pay for me to move to the college. And it's like, I'll move. That's grand. Yeah. So you lived in Carlo for how long? Three years. I First of all, I'm sorry. <laughs> I went home with the weekends, so it was okay. <laughs> But yeah, like what? Because I, I, my brother lives in Carlo for a while, so I have I have a, a limited uh, experience with it, and I'm glad it's limited. Yeah, uh, it's a bit of a. I mean, sorry to anybody from Carlo listening, <laughs> but you come from a bit of a hole, and most people I know from Carlo will say that to me. They'll tell me they grew up in a bit of a hole. So yeah, like is that was it a big college? Was there many people there? Um, it was. It wasn't. Uh... Okay, it's not like Trinity College big, but it wasn't tiny. Uh, It had very specialized courses there. Like, we had a really big law section, and we had a pretty big um, IT, so, like, uh, the games course and the software courses. And then we had an avionics section, and there was apparently a hangar there with a plane, as I found out on stage. And we also had a, like, a GA and rugby training section for, like, training management and all that kind of stuff. So it was very specialized and very strange things. Yeah, because they're not even very connected in a lot of ways. Like, I don't think there's many of the rugby guys, like, looking to, you know, do the games coding at the same time. Um, And so, yeah, so, and did you, like, did you enjoy it there? Was it a good time or were you happy to get out of it? grand it was there's a lot more focus on maths and stuff than i generally like um i prefer the design stuff but when i was going to college there wasn't any like design courses you could do so i was like ooh, development might as well so it was a little bit uh maths heavy for me but yeah it was it was it was grand it was college you know (laughs) I, i was happy when i left and i started you know getting money and living in houses that insulation in them oh yeah um, being able to afford food. I mean, for a while, I was living on a pack of noodles and a chicken sandwich a day. Nice. Just brilliant, yeah. And then in third year, we had like a specialized games computer lab, and you'd be there from like 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. when they closed trying to get your projects done. So, yeah. It, it was a nice 
like having free time again. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went from that into like, you know, because I know the jobs that you were doing when you were working for like Havoc and stuff, they weren't short hours you were working either though, were they? Um, they're like nine till six-ish. Okay. Which is pretty standard. Okay, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, when I first started, I was in a group called Play First and um, they had a lot of uh, overtime, largely because the head office was in San Francisco and you'd have to wait to sync up with the San Francisco office so you'd have to stay in later and then if they push their meeting back then you'd have to push the meeting back to tell them what you done during the day which means you're there till like 7 or 8 o'clock at night mm-hmm. and occasionally there was a random meeting they'd schedule really really late and it's just like okay so I have to go on Skype at 11pm and yay fun times <laughs> I mean, it's not usually different from the life of a podcaster. I mean, the amount of times I've had to talk to someone on the East Coast to, like, you know, I'm up to, like, 1 a.m. talking to them. Um, so, yeah. Some time differences. They should all be on GMT. Yeah, it would, be, it would be unusual for some of them where they're, you know, going to work when it's pitch black at night, but, you know. That's their problem to solve. <laughs> yeah, right. We're, we're in the original time zone. We're the best. Uh, I actually remember when I was a kid, because my, da- my, uh, my uncle uh, lived in London, and I went over for the, like my first ever trip outside of Ireland when I was like eight or like something like that and I was convinced there must be a time zone difference between Ireland and England <laughs> and then I found out that like Home and Away was on like an hour later on the, the English broadcast of the network so I was convinced aha there's an hour difference and it's like no I just show Home and Away at different times so yeah so you um, watched Home and Away as a child <laughs> I didn't watch it. I was aware of it though. Everybody watched it because, like, Neighbors was that was when Neighbors was really big. Kylie and Jason, Kylie Minogue. You know who Kylie Minogue is. Don't even give me that face. <laughs> I can't believe. First off, that you watched Neighbors, and second, that it was Kylie and Jason. I mean, there's that music video that yeah, done that I've seen on like VH1 when I was younger. Now we're back together or whatever it's called. That one, yeah. That that's all I know about Kylie and Jason. That was a little bit before my time. Actually, it really was. <laughs> really I'm just was. thinking about. I'm just thinking about the timeline now. <laughs> you were probably like born the year of it or something like that. God. Do you know? I go through most of my days feeling really young and energetic. It's really? o- only when I talk to you that I feel like a fucking old, decrepit man. I'm just helping you put your life in perspective. Thank you for that. It's very. It's. <laughs> no, don't thank. I don't thank you for that. What am I talking about? Fuck you. Um. Alright, so uh, we talked about college, we talked about um, when you, well yeah, when you moved back up to Dublin. So did you go home or did you get a, a flat or? Um, moved home originally yeah. because I was on, I was doing an internship at the time on minimum wage, so like you can't move out in Dublin on minimum wage. No. Um, and then I left there and afterwards started working in Havoc and then once I was in Havoc I moved out for a while and then when I left Havoc I moved back home. <laughs> So, like, whereabouts in Dublin did you live when you were working in Havoc? Smithfield. Smithfield. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I've, I lived in Stony Bar for a while, so very close. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's in a weird way, though, I'm kind of jealous that you have parents in Dublin. Because, <laughs> hells yeah, I would have moved back home more often and saved some money. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really lucky for that. Like, I know those people who would love to do something like this, and it's just like, you kind of have to be in the population centre to keep doing the work but yeah. you can't afford the you know 800 quid a month or 1000 quid a month rents yeah. so yeah it is really lucky to have the parentals who don't mind me coming back and just you know yeah. hiding in the box room pretending it's an office <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah uh, the joys of, of the bedroom office mm-hmm. um, yeah it's good it's good stuff good stuff uh, so yeah so you're okay so you're working here now and you're launching around punctures yep uh, do you find that you're because you're kind of talking you're lecturing about like you know games development and stuff like that do you think that's affecting how you're working on new games and stuff um not hugely it's the main difference I found is that it's had me like stop and think about a lot of the things that I kind of learned naturally over the years and now I have to put names to them <laughs> it's just like I'm very much a oh when you're designing a game oh if that just feels wrong do such and such but you can't say it feels wrong you have to say like oh well feels wrong means such and such so right. it's definitely had me think a lot more about that kind of thing okay and so like give me well, what was your most recent class about like give me an example of the kind of stuff that you talk about um my most recent class was an intro to game narrative for one of the short courses they do here. Okay. So it was talking about what interactive fiction is. Right. And all the examples of that and then how you use narrative in games. So you have your full narrative games like Life is Strange. So everything is based around the story. Then you have games that have strong narratives but aren't narrative games like say Fallout. Right. And then you have games that are largely made by their narrative like Papers, Please. If you said said someone in the mechanics of paper space, oh, you're basically just like spot the difference between two things. It doesn't sound that interesting. If you're a border guard who's controlling the future of all these people, you get so invested, and it's an entire different experience. So um, there's that, and then explanation of you know the three act structure, uh, basic storylines, and then choices in games, which is kind of what puts games apart from other kinds of storytelling. Yeah. Um, and so like I'm, I'm assuming when it comes to those open world games because Fallout's not really an open world game but it's kind of an open world game to a certain extent yeah um, that the the storytelling must be kind of more complicated or bigger in a sense so you've had to mm-hmm. probably write more to like take in like all the different things that you can do at one time yeah there's like there's so much going on you usually have like the core storyline that goes through it but then there's all the other storylines that can go off of you met this random person in a village who does such and such yeah and you took an arrow to the knee yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) someone skimped on Skyrim a little bit (laughs) yeah those are called barks and they get more ludicrous the more you have to do barks yeah Is is that short for something no, it's just <laughs> it's because you know when you have guards that are just like, hey, look, there's something over there. I wonder okay. what this sound is. They're barking kind of like a thing at you. Yeah, yeah. And you need to find out like ten different ways of saying the exact same thing. So some of them get a little bit silly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that though. I'm gonna remember that next time I play a game. Barks. Um, what was what were your favorite games growing up? Uh, Final Fantasy VIII. Ah. Hands down. Well, Final Fantasy VIII and um, Ocarina of Time. Okay. Uh, which which system was that on? N64. Okay, that's right. Um, so you're an RPG girl? Yeah. Right. And what is it about RPGs that you like so much? I always like the stories in them. Okay. I know, like, nowadays you have stories in lots of other kind of things, but, you know... It's, it's still a gradual process of them appearing in games instead of, you know, you are a person, you shoot things, you jump on things, you jump over things. So I used to just, I like the stories that happened in them and I really like the uh, the system in Final Fantasy VIII, the junctioning system. I know those people hated it, but I adored it and I thought it was so much fun and oh my god, I get to sort this out and then do this thing and this thing. 
there's one time I played it and I played the game like six or seven times but there's a bit at the start where they're like oh okay so using a GF it erases your memory so we didn't remember this thing happening in the story and I was a bit ahead of my time I was like I'm going to play this again without using a GF and see if the story changed okay and I went up to that and I didn't I was like oh damn it <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like if, if games like that you know if they'd done that in a game now you probably would have your story changed that I yeah. never used one but a bit preemptive <laughs> <laughs> yeah I suppose because that was on a like what PlayStation system? Or, yeah, or it came on four discs. Oh, that's right. Yeah, was that the one that like Cloud was first in? Oh uh, no, that's Final Fantasy Seven. Um, okay, eight was Squall. Oh yeah, um, he was such an emo. I thought he was so cool when I was like nine, and then I played it back. It's like, oh my god, would you shut up? I don't care about your existential crisis. <laughs> well, I mean, that seemed to me that's kind of all of the characters of Final Fantasy. They're all kind of going through an existential crisis of some kind true, or another. True. Or if you take in the new one, where they're just like some sort of leather boy band traveling through the desert. I haven't played the new one. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, road trip with selfies. There's lots of selfies in that game. So Apparently, yeah, I haven't got a chance to play it yet either but I've watched a few playthroughs just because I'm amused by it. <laughs> oh, I still want to play Horizon Zero Dawn. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a bit like the... I'm I'm only like playing Overwatch at the moment because I'm catching up on things because I only got my PlayStation 4 at Christmas, so... <laughs> I still haven't got one, so... <laughs> but I, I got the... Um, did you get the Freedom Bundle on Steam? Uh, no. Okay, so I got the Freedom Bundle. It's had like over 30 indie games on it, and um, it was absolutely. There's so many amazing games on it, and I downloaded it. It's like, okay, I'm gonna start playing these, and I can't because I'm launching a Kickstarter in two weeks. But this is gonna but, be your, this will be your reward. <laughs> yeah, my reward is actually um, once I finish this, I'm gonna get to play Night in the Woods. So oh. that's actually like set out that I'm gonna do. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot about that, but I haven't really seen anything. I've just heard people tell me it's great. I hadn't heard anything until it launched and then like my entire Twitter feed is like, this is the best thing on the planet! I've been waiting for this for years! And I was like, oh, okay then! <laughs> but everyone seems to like it, so... What is it? I don't know. You don't even know either? I, I just know it has a really good story and a lot of friends who's, like, whose games I like and whose recommendations I usually go by right. like it, so it's like, okay. Okay. Um, so, I mean, would you play on your like PC or laptop or whatever at home more than you would on a console? Uh, yeah, these days, anyways. Okay. I prefer console gaming because it doesn't make me feel guilty for, you know, not doing work. Because you're <laughs> playing on your laptop, it's like, I could be typing a document now. <laughs> yeah, I find that I, uh, are you able to multitask when you play? Because I like to try and play a podcast in the background if I can get away with it so that I can listen to something and what I need to listen to. Oh, I can't, not at all. Okay. I, just, I get distracted so easily with it. Like, yeah. I can multitask on a lot of things but not like a lot of things going on in the room at the same time because if someone's talking I'll turn around and be like what are they saying I know I'm not supposed to listen to their conversation but they said words so I know how to listen to the words that they're saying <laughs> <laughs> um, and so like what kind of like because we talked about your history with uh, video games but what about like board games like when did you kind of get into that um I only got into board games about two years ago now okay I went to this event called Inish Spree which is this like um, games retreat that we run off the coast of Ireland and everyone goes to a hostel and hangs out and plays board games and just has the crack and so I started playing loads of games there when I went there I was like yes I have played Monopoly and Munchkin and Cards Against Humanity that is it and I was like <laughs> blasphemy so then I got introduced to absolutely fuck tons of games and yeah. just kept playing them from there what made you go to that? my friends organised it okay. and 
I wanted to go to the one the year before, which was the first one, but I think I was working or something, and then they're just like, oh no, it was amazing, it's so good, you have to go, so. How did that even start up? Like, why, just a couple of friends did it, and then it got bigger from there or something like that? Uh, yeah, I think it was, I think it was John and Owen originally, uh, two game developers, I'm not, not going to give you their profile, but two game developers right. in the Irish uh, development scene, they really like the idea of doing like just a really easy going get getaway that wasn't like networking or businessy and just like to hang out so they chose the hostel i think because owen used to go there when he was a child and then they booked <laughs> it out and invited loads of fancy people there and everyone had fun and then just expanded it every year yeah because you seem to organize that now as well don't you um or at least you organize a bus because i always see you tweeting about the bus <laughs> for the thing yeah i organized the bus last year for getting to that that was a pain in the arse <laughs> um we're doing a vaguely similar ish event this year and i'm gonna have to organize a bus for that too which will be amazing yay yeah buses <laughs> um but yeah no it's it's, it's good fun and we're we're trying with the Imre team to organise some more fancy events around Ireland, but we haven't got anything in stone, so it's, it's, it's like, I want to talk about this thing that we're going to kind of maybe be doing that I can't talk about. <laughs> and like, there's the Cardboard Cayley as well, which is a thing. Yeah, Cardboard Cayley is a monthly meetup in Dublin for a paying. <laughs> Thanks, thing driving by. Um, uh, yeah, it's a monthly meetup in Dublin for playing uh, board and card games, and it's it's kind of like a networking thing that's not in the evening where everyone goes drinking and stuff and just get to know other like game developers and people interested in that stuff by playing games with them, which is tends to be a good way to get to know games people. <laughs> There's a lot of networking events. Mm. And the games co-op, the first of which is on tomorrow night, which is another one I organised with Kevin, um, which is to bring people who don't usually make games together to form teams to make games. So like we're trying to get writers and artists and sound people together with the coders and stuff. Okay, that's cool. Um, do you like? Okay, so oh, because I'm fascinated by this now. <laughs> so has this been done before? Or is this the first time you're doing it tomorrow? Uh, first thing tomorrow, yeah. Okay, so because I'm fascinated how that was gonna work. Like to because like, like I mean if you're make, you can't make a game in an evening surely. You can make it in a day, but you can like get people together. Say there's a writer who always wants to write video games, then you right. have a coder who has realized that they can't write that well and they want a story in their game, and then you put them together and they get along, so why not make a game together? Okay, so you, we're not expecting anything to happen that Oh day. yeah, it's, it's, it's a networking <laughs> and a playtest event, it's not a okay. make a game here now. Yeah, no, I, I kind of got like, for, it's for some reason in my head, I'm like, so you're going to come, we're going to leave with a game at the end of the day. <laughs> well, you do that with game jams. Can you? Yeah, that's no point. Either 24 or 48 hours and everyone goes into a room and they get a theme and everyone makes a game. By the end of whatever amount of time, they leave and hopefully have a vaguely functioning game. Can you give me an example of one that came out of that? Um, not one that I've done, but uh, there are actually quite a lot of games that came out of either the Global Game Jam or Train Jam. But I can't think of names now. Uh, well, I was, I was thinking more if you remember, like, kind of how it worked or whatever like that, well, like, the type of game that it was. Um, well, they're all different types of games. Basically, what they do, like, um, Global Game Jam this year, it's run across the world for a set 48 hours. And what they do is they give you a theme, and they say, like, uh, this year it was Waves, and you just had to make a game that had something to do with Waves. Okay. And... Uh, most people would have got their games finished. You can have a, a team if you want it, you can just be yourself, and then after 48 hours, 
you have something that you submit to the website and then whoever made the best one I think there's like a prize wow that's very cool mm-hmm. and usually that's, that's a global thing yeah so who like is, is that I'm assuming there's a, probably a company behind that then is there um, I know Giselle Rossman in Australia organizes the main thing so they started there and then um, and they have like you know core organizers in each country and then each country will register whatever sites they want in their country to be like official places that they're hosting it okay and they started in Australia and the last one to start is Hawaii and there's like a gag order until Hawaii starts because you can't talk about the theme until Hawaii <laughs> starts jamming <laughs> I like that <laughs> that also sounds like a great party thing you can't talk about the theme until Hawaii starts jamming <laughs> um, okay so is there anything that you want to tell people about Rampunctious because we're going to wrap up soon we're only at the end of the podcast oh my god I know you made it Jen yay is this your first podcast experience it is yeah ah. I've got another one in a few days but this is this is oh I'm, sh- I'm sure they're probably I don't even know who they are but I'm sure they're more probably more professional than me well there's going to be beer out there so I mean yeah oh. probably <laughs> well yeah I apologize I didn't bring cans <laughs> I brought ACAM. I brought ACAM, but not an alcoholic no one. And I didn't share this with you either. Disgraceful. I Call yourself a host. I needed the, the caffeine for myself. <laughs> and it clearly didn't work because I failed so hard at trying to think of one pun <laughs> for Rampunctious. And then you know what? And I'm going to get, I'm probably when I record the intro to this, I'm probably going to have like five. Then I'm like, here's all of them now. Um, but yeah, like, so the Kickstarter is going to kick off. We're, we're going to put this online for people to listen to when that's, when that's up. So if this is this is your moment now to have like one last plea to come like <laughs> fund our game. Okay, so Rampunctious is the game of terrible puns. If you like puns or you like punishing people with puns, then hopefully check out our Kickstarter and we hope you like the game. Oh, that was that was very short and sweet. That was yeah. like that was like ready for like a ten second ad on the radio. It's almost like I was recording videos of pun runs the other day. <laughs> I mean, if you fundamentally want to punish your friends with impunity and free repercussions then Rampunctious is the game for you it had a different name before it used to be called Stupundus so (laughs) (laughs) what made you change it Um, we came up with a few different uh, name ideas and then Rampunctious was the one that we kind of remembered from the list we're like oh let's go with Rampunctious okay (laughs) fair enough I, for some reason as well I, I, during the week I kept calling it punishment to myself as well so I, I don't know there's a, there's a whole thing there we're thinking fundamental for a while but there's a game out called fundamental and it's like ah it's too close yeah yeah there's also one called fun employed ooh yeah I've heard of that I really want to play it yeah I have a copy of it it's good fun like it's it's very it's very improv-y mm. um, and uh, it's another one of those games that you can really like mess around with the rules a little bit if you wanted to, to get drunk <laughs> which is usually how I play <laughs> get, 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 get drunk get drunk yeah, yeah. Um, alright so I, I always ask people at the end of the podcast what song do you want to play out on because you get to have like your basically your walkout music so yeah you're going to have to think of one on the spot this is always a challenge that I might give people and every time they always hate me for it oh it well can, continuing the thread then yeah yeah you, I mean you can be as cheesy as you like it could, or it can be like as hardcore metal as you like I don't think you're a huge hardcore metal fan I don't know oh my god <laughs> I, I, there's only one person I ever asked this question to and they answered it like that he was a comic artist Stephen Mooney and he obviously just had like a song that is his like 
his his song that he goes everywhere within his head. And so I was like, oh, it's this one straight away. Yes, that will the one that will play me at my funeral. <laughs> um, the the first one you think of. Don't even like go. Oh, I don't know about that one. The first song okay, that came to your head. This is the thing I thought of was why not just go with Barbie Girl. Barbie Girl, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, Aqua's best. Of course. <laughs> what well, that in your brain? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm like, I had a song stuck in my head before we started doing this, and I can't even remember what it was, but I'm just like, if I have to think a stupid song to like play out on, what is it? Well, go with Barbie Girl. Yeah, I mean, hell, yeah, people will remember it. <laughs> if nothing else, you're going to ruin everybody's day who like listens to this podcast. <laughs> You'll be walking down the street going, I'm a bear. Oh, for fuck's sake. Look, their days are already ruined. They've listened to this podcast. I'm going to say that's more of a burn on you than me, because <laughs> you're the guest this week. So, uh, on that note, thank you, Jen. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Hiya, Bobby. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Life in plastic. It's fantastic. You can 